Uh, he's a tremendous talent. You see some really great flash plays for him. He's got all the arm talent in the world. He can get the ball quick. He's a really good athlete. I, um, I think he's starting to see the field really well, as you expect any rookie to, to evolve over the first three games. He's dangerous. And I feel like I have been prepared. Obviously, I haven't played as well as I've wanted to up until this point, but I feel like I'm getting better. I know I'm prepared each week, and that's really all I can do, and I know I'm getting there. He's, his mindset, even even when he struggled early in his career, you know, the one thing they count on that guy is tough as nails, competitor, refused to lose at anything. And you know, nobody likes losing, but Coach Meyer especially doesn't like losing, and so I'm, I'm sure he's going to figure out any way to, he can to, to start getting wins, and so we, we got to be ready for him to come in here and, and give us their best shot. Week four begins tonight, Jaguars at the Bengals. And if we can sell this one, I expect a supplemental paycheck directly from the NFL. Because this one's not easy to sell, especially from the perspective of the visiting team. I'm very excited about the Bengals. Jaguars, hey, it's still September. Sure, It's still September. We're still early in the season. We're happy to have any football. And I'm happy to have you on my limited opportunities, my three days per week, (laughs) Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They have a special name for that in the UK. We still can't say it lest we get (laughs) fired. Good morning and hello. Good morning and hello. Yes, thank you. I know. Uh, the yeah. man with the small the head. The man with the small back, head Eleanor. who actually has a giant head, but he'll, I'll take the compliment. I'll take it. I mean, I usually had the biggest helmet on the football team. If I wear a fitted hat, I am seven and five eighths, somewhere in there, somewhere between seven and five eighths and seven and, yeah, right around that area. So that's a pretty damn big head. I don't know. Uh, but I'll take the compliment. Hey, I mean, Hey, I'm excited for tonight. I really am. It's like you always say. It's always great to just sit down and watch one game. You know, you really get to dive into players, teams. You get to hear Troy Aikman and Joe Buck give you a few little stories that you might not know about each team. I do love that. And I, I don't care about the matchup. You know, I don't. We didn't think Giants-Washington was going to be a good game a few weeks right. ago, and it was it was awesome. So, you know, between that and then two young quarterbacks and a few other young stars that I, I think are at least budding stars – uh, we could sell it. We could sell it to everybody here today. Well, and the reality is the desperation, the normal desperation of 0-3 is kicking in for the Jaguars because the hole keeps getting deeper and deeper if you keep losing. Also, tonight's game, if they lose, is 19 in a row. And I know the first 15 aren't on Urban Meyer, but he took that job knowing that that 15 was the number. And 16, 17, 18 were not out of the question. 19 tonight can be achieved, and then next week it would be the third team in NFL history to lose 20 in a row. I still can't believe it's only happened twice. In the entire history of the league, only two teams have lost 20 games in a row. We're two games away from the Jaguars joining them. And I think that that pride at some point kicks in because – that 20th game gets permanently attached to everyone yeah. currently with the team. Yeah, I, I, I hear that. The one thing is there, there is a lot of new pieces, at least that'll probably not feel as personal, but like the pride part's going to stick in. You're right. I mean, you know, kick in for sure. Uh, they're, they're hearing those things, you know. And of course, just as like we've talked about so many times, when a team is 0-3, you know, the building gets tense and you, you do start to go, oh, crap, like when are we going to win and – uh, I mean, are we going to start? Are we going to be zero and seven? Are we going to be zero and eight? So you know, you do get desperate that way. And and really, hey, Jacksonville, they've played tough. They've showed pride in every game so far. It hasn't been like you know, really the worst game they played was probably the Houston Texans game to start the year. Denver, they kind of hung around until Denver kind of woke up and took control. Maybe it was about mid third quarter, somewhere in that range. Last week, hey, they had Arizona on the ropes. It was nineteen to ten third quarter and you're thinking man Jacksonville's outplaying the Arizona Cardinals at that point so there are some like silver linings I think with the football team and Urban Meyer there Um, it's just as you and I both know it's just not easy to win games in the NFL with a young team they always mess up a few situations or a play here and there and you think oh I did that in college it shouldn't matter but it does matter in the NFL 
And if they lose tonight, week five home game against the Titans, they will be at least a seven-point underdog in that game. And then it's to London, to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, week six, early morning game, Eastern time against the Dolphins and bye week after that. So uh, not not a promising start. They could be at a 21-game losing streak when they get their break, and maybe they need a break. I don't know. They could still win tonight. They could go to Cincinnati and win. Definitely. I'm not ruling it out. No Urban way. Meyer back in Ohio. Urban Meyer going against Joe Burrow, a guy that Urban Meyer recruited to Ohio State before he transferred to LSU. Joe Burrow probably, even though he will say all the right things, th- this is a lower-level version of Belichick versus Brady, right? This yeah. is a, a, a low-key <laughs> yeah. reunion game where the, the quarterback may have some strong feelings about a coach that didn't want him because he went in another direction, specifically toward Dwayne Haskins. And look where Dwayne Haskins is now, and look where Joe Burrow is, and look what Burrow's achieved. Yeah, uh, 100%. You're right. There's got to be a personal aspect for for Joe Burrow. You know, I, you know, when Urban, when we showed that clip, like Urban Meyer was saying, what was he talking about Trevor or Joe Burrow when he was like, he doesn't like to, doesn't like to, it was Joe, right? Okay. Yeah. Talking about Urban not liking to lose. Yeah. Or I, Urban was talking about Joe also not liking to lose, I believe. So like, and, and, and you know, that's yeah. Well, Joe lost in Urban's eyes to Dwayne Haskins. So that's personal. And that's why he transferred and went to LSU. So I, yeah, I would think Joe Burrow would like to shove it up, you know where, and and Urban Meyer, and show him, you know, hey, you made a mistake, certainly, and uh, yeah, you're right, the Urban Meyer back to Ohio factor, his his home state, uh, that that's that's a real, you know, emotion as well. The last two number one overall picks square off in this one: Trevor Lawrence this year, Joe Burrow last year. Lawrence has 669 passing yards in three games, five touchdowns, seven picks. What are you seeing from him? Is it, you know, is it is it a C minus so far? Is there anything positive? Where is he on the scale of, you know, we understand yeah, it's early, right? And are there signs that that you could see an ascension? A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm I'm not panicked about Trevor Lawrence in in any way. No, there's no doubt he has been better in every game. You know, he does make a number of, you know high quality throws every game you know I think we talked about one of them earlier this week I mean his touchdown throw last week you know make the game 7-7 he's kind of looking to the right he hangs in the pocket and makes a great throw probably in his third fourth read to the uh, to the back left corner of the end zone yeah that was special he is I mean from that you know standpoint it's again the look Mike right let's not get too caught up in wins and losses and everything like that it's a team sport the team is not there yet and he shows plenty of like positive signs as far as being able to read the field you know high quality thrower and then he's he's athletic as hell he really is um but he's a rookie and he's certainly made a handful of mistakes or hung in the pocket a little too long in every game. Uh, but I think it's, you know, whittling away a little by little as, as we go forward. It's yeah, a big I, moment. He got an interception yeah. on this last week, Mike, here you go. Seven. Oh, yeah. they Th- drive that's down. That's not right. on him. Right. And that's not on him. Exactly. You know, now look, is the ball perfect? Mm, not quite, but it's still close something enough. that should have been caught. Yes. Yeah. It's co- close enough that it should have been caught. Hit him in the hands, kind of let it bounce off a little bit. The interception here—that, that's just, well, yeah, that's hey, I, you know, we got to run the play. All right, they flip it back to me. I got to get rid of it, and it's almost like he didn't even look to see if there was a guy breaking on the football. It's just like, oh, this is how the play works. I got to get rid of the ball. Let me get rid of the ball. Oh crap! Here comes the defender. Well, no doubt. You know, all week it was like, hey, if that guy's not, you know, here's your check down. It was a flea flicker. You know, Courtney or or Kristen, could we show that play one more time? Because this is what happens with a bad team, too. This is what this is a touchdown. He's got DJ Shark running up the middle of the field. It's a touchdown. But bad teams, it's one mistake goes into another, which goes into another. And on that play, if, if we could ever throw it back up there one more time, you'll see the left guard. Not yep. Next one. It's okay. Don't worry. That still a good throw. Why is he slowing down? Why is he put his hands like that? But look at the left guard here. He gets beat. But he twin, twin does a little twist around. What right? in the world? I don't know what the. Can we rewind that again, if possible? Like that. Just that was the ruining of the play. And I, if you could see in the bottom here, there's DJ Shark here. He's gone. Watch the safety come up and bite on the fake. 
All right, you might not be able to see it, but he does, I promise you, and it's a touchdown or at least a huge gain. But left guard decides it's almost it, like the guard I don't know. Like the guard thought it was a running play. <laughs> I don't know D- what. It? I know. Like he started to he started to crash to to his right to block that direction like they were going to run that way and then he realizes, "Oh crap." Oh, oh it's crap. a pass play. Let me to, go help back it's a out. Pass play? Right. And then he Doesn't blocks his own like guy. That? I know. I couldn't figure it out. I watched it a bunch two days ago. And I was like, I, I mean, this is Andrew Norwell. Been around for a long time, making a lot of money. I, just, I couldn't figure it out. I, w- I really couldn't. So, yeah. But, and that's another Urban Meyer guy. So there's that's that's, you know, another. So that's where it's we can't always go quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. That game was 1917 there. Urban Meyer, Darrell Bevel, Schottenheimer, they draw up the perfect play to get the momentum back, and here we go. And then, man, our left guard lets us down, and hey, it's our rookie quarterback, and he let one mistake become two mistakes, and now you're losing a football game, and, and you've lost control. And, and look, I don't know how many people noticed that in real time, but this is one of the realities of not having reporters with full access to the locker room after the game sure somebody would have noticed that somebody would have sniffed that out and somebody would have gone to norwell and said what the hell happened there and we'd have a story that we could have really delved into did norwell get confused did he think it was a running play because that that first move from him created the impression like he was he was intending to push forward and then realized oh crap that's not the play. That's not the call. Uh, guys forget the snap count all the time. Maybe, maybe they do forget the I don't know. No, no I, doubt. Could it happen? I'm sure. You got five guys on every given play who have to remember exactly what the play is, what the snap count is, what their assignment is, and and surely there are going to be misfires from time to time. Definitely. And especially it could, it could be on plays like that if you don't hear every word of the play. Like it could be, hey, that run is ride 34. And then that play we just saw right there was ride 34 flea flicker, flea flicker. And he might have just heard ride 34 and think, oh, it's the run. I mean, little things happen like that all the time, certainly. Uh, but, again, that goes part of a team that's kind of finding their way, a quarterback maybe not speaking clearly in the huddle. You know, I, I don't know, young, other young linemen on the, on the line that maybe not communicating together as a unit yet. There's a lot of things that go into that, but that's what happens to bad teams or teams that are at least young and trying to, to find their way. Meanwhile, Joe Burrow, who we had many concerns about as it relates to his recovery from the serious knee injury suffered last November. He's been great so far this year. 640 passing yards, seven touchdowns, four interceptions. The Bengals are 2-1. and one. They could be 3-0. and oh. They really did have a chance to beat the Bears yeah. in Week 2, and in hindsight, you could argue maybe they should have. I, I like the track that they're on. I think going to Pittsburgh and winning, even with the Steelers' struggles, that is a boost definitely to a Bengals team that is historically not the kind of franchise that can go into Pittsburgh and push them around the way they did. You rarely have seen over the past 50 years the Bengals go to Pittsburgh and do what they did to them and that's got to be a tremendous confidence boost for Burrow and everyone else in the organization. A hundred percent. How can it not be? I mean Pittsburgh's like you know the big brother you can't beat when you know you're a Cincinnati Bengal. You know that they are playing. You know that it is the type of game that gives them confidence, and 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 you know they they do have a little confidence about them. I think in general because of this guy. I mean, I, I we talked about this last year a lot. He kind of he's one of those guys that just has you know I, I I hate to always say this it there's there's a there's a part of his personality trait that makes teams think they can win and in a big moment he'll make the big play. And, and, you know, so far we've, we've seen that throughout his career. Yeah, he went through his rookie struggles last year like we saw Trevor Lawrence, certainly. But, man, it's on the up and up. There's no doubt. I mean, Cincinnati, O-line solid, Joe Mixon star running back, you know, Boyd. I, I don't know if we'll see Higgins tonight, but between Boyd, Higgins, and, and Jamar Chase, when they can throw those three on the field, it's tough to match up. Chase is proving that if you want to play him man-to-man, you better think twice because he can run by just about anybody. And and the and the other last thing I'll say, Mike, with their offense at least, is you know, every week Burrow made some plays last week where he was moving and being slippery Joe again, 
where you were like, man, look at this slippery SOB making people miss and running around. And that, that to me says he's feeling confident in that knee and feeling good about his play and he's in a good mental state. So uh, I, I think there's a lot of positives there in Cincinnati right now. Burrow is slippery Joe at a time Aaron Rodgers still looks like slippery Pete from Seinfeld. So there's a connection there. <laughs> Which of these two guys mm-hmm. between Lawrence and Burrow right now is more likely to become an Aaron Rodgers type of a figure in time? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I, mm, I mean, I do think Trevor Lawrence probably has a little more high-end talent. Like, probably has a little bit of a raw, stronger arm and of course is really probably faster than Joe Burrow and he's bigger so there might be a little bit of a higher ceiling there but with Burrow he's a little like to me he's like he's like the natural he's just one of those guys like put him up behind center he's gonna see the field well he's gonna make a lot of pinpoint throws and you know even before he got hurt last year I remember we used to show some highlights every now and then where he'd just go you know, is, is that lucky or is that good? Because I don't know. It, you know, it, it's like it, it's good because he's I've said it seven times this game and go, oh, that whoa, he got lucky there, but he keeps doing it. So I don't I didn't answer your question there. Um, they're a little bit of a different player. I, I guess what I'm going to say, though, is I do think Trevor Lawrence has a higher ceiling, but I don't know if he necessarily sees the field and can play the pocket like Joe Burrow, even as a rookie or coming out of college. So that's where there's a little difference in their game, and it's a tough one to call right now. And the key is you got to have the talent around you to get there, unless you really are Aaron Rodgers, where you can overcome all the yeah. deficiencies yeah. that may be on your roster on both sides of the ball. We'll see which of those two guys could be good enough to do that, although Burrow looks like he's not going to have to do that. With Lawrence, it's a work in progress. What do they do with Urban Meyer? And Trent Baalke is the GM. And the other side of it, you know, all the talk about Urban Meyer to USC, which most likely won't happen, but whether and to what extent Meyer is in Jacksonville for the long haul, that's going to be a factor in the development of Trevor Lawrence. Sure. Too, because you bring in a new coaching staff, you've got a new direction, you've got a new approach, and that could make things worse. It can make things better. You just don't know. It adds uncertainty into the mix. Well, well uh, can I say one more thing, too? Go ahead. Just, just, yes, just to yes. give a little more silver lining to the game tonight. I mean, the, both of these defenses aren't too shabby either. They're not. I mean, we've seen Cincinnati, you know, pitch almost a, you know, kick some butt against Chicago. Last week, kick some butt against Pittsburgh. I know those aren't great offenses. I get that. But there's talent there. There really is. And the same thing with Jacksonville. You know, Jacksonville, yeah, last week people are going to look at it and go, oh, they let up 31 points. It was 19-10 to 10 in the third quarter. You know, they've hung in there. What's happened to Jacksonville a few times is just the offense kind of starts to, you know, falter and be inconsistent, and now the defense is out there a lot. It was 10-7 at halftime against the Denver Broncos the week before that. So I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a real close defensive struggle early on tonight, and then as the quarterbacks and offenses kind of get settled in, you start to see some plays. But sorry to interrupt, Mike. I just wanted to add that in and give it No, you're fine. Yeah. And – Look, you, you look at the fact that the Jaguars were leading the last two games and you wonder how much of Urban Meyer learning on the fly is extending to the all-important halftime adjustment. No doubt. No doubt. He's got, he's got plenty of NFL-experienced assistant coaches, but there's somebody who's got to pull it together and get the most out of that 12 minutes. It yeah. may be 12 minutes of chaos currently in the locker room because – at the college level, it's twenty. At the pro level, it's twelve. Oh, you! It's, it's a it's a it's and, a madhouse in the locker room in the NFL. It's like it's a whirlwind. And, and th- think about it. Whirlwind. My, my, my yes, whirlwind. Thank you, uh, man with a small head or small brain, as the case may be, strikes again. Um, I've been waiting to use that. Anyway, uh, it could be that Meyer just walks in there and he's like, "What the hell? We don't have time to do anything." Yeah, and and th- that may be kind of a sneaky overlooked dynamic here that in the second half the opponents with coaches who have experience and understand you got a lot to do in a limited amount of time and you don't want to get overwhelmed by it you you got a few surgical things you're trying to do yeah uh maybe maybe this Jaguars coaching staff really isn't getting much out of that that very short intermission in comparison to what the the opponents are getting out of I I think that's fair I'm sure there's an adjustment period there you know, you, you see good coaches and, and just my experience a little bit in that and even just watching football now. Yeah, good coaches can go in there 
and they have somebody keeping track. And of course, that's why a lot of the head coaches are writing things down because they're going, they're writing little notes for that in the first half to go, oh, you know, they come in and go, hey, hey, quarterback, it's a blitz game. They're blitzing doing this, or it's a quarters game. They're playing quarters a lot. So we're going to go to that part of our playbook and the things we worked out, you know, on practice this week, if they play us that way. And being able to make the adjustments off of that in a hurry and recognizing how you're being attacked and going, okay, we got to switch to plan B or plan C or whatever it was. And that is certainly, you know, not easy. It's not. You know, I, I always look at, yeah, Belichick, hey, Shanahan, think of him the other night in the Green Bay game. They can't do anything really in the first half. All of a sudden, the second half, what happens? Shanahan goes, oh, they're playing me like this. And all of a sudden, it's a screen here, a screen there, this, that, boom. And all of a sudden, the offense is on, on a roll again. So it is the ability to kind of, you know, diagnose how you're being played. And now what's our next step to combat that? We managed to milk more than 20 minutes out of the Thursday night game, which I don't know. The over-under for me would have been 18 and a half, so we were over on that. There's plenty that we can say about the Sunday night game, and we have, and we will, and that is uh, the the next topic we're going to pivot to, the the ongoing buildup for Tom Brady's return to New England, if you haven't heard. I really do wonder, Chris, if there's a football fan out there, even the most casual Super Bowl Sunday-only fan that doesn't realize what's coming on Sunday night. Like, hey, what games are this weekend? Oh, crap. Can you imagine the surprise of somebody who kind of wakes up tomorrow morning and looks at the schedule and says, wait a minute, Buccaneers at Patriots. Why is that significant? Holy crap, Tom Brady's going back to New England. Here's Bill Belichick. From yesterday, talking about a couple of important subjects. One, his relationship with Brady, and two, Seth Wickersham's new book, It's Better to Be Feared, which has plenty of little anecdotes about Belichick that may or may not be flattering. Here we are. Bill, it was reported this morning that um, you preferred to speak over the phone with Tom when he delivered the news he'd be leaving the organization in March of 2020 and didn't want to meet in person. Was, was that true? Yeah, that yeah, no, that's not true. And and I mean, I heard a few things about you know his book, and sounds like it's a lot of you know second, third, and fourth hand comments. So, but I'm not going to get into that. I'm going to focus on this game and try to prepare for the Bucks. Bill, what was wrong with what was incorrect about uh, the? Yeah, I'm going forward, Greg. Yeah, I'm going forward on that. I mean, was it not on the phone? Was it in person? Yeah, I'm going forward on that. Phil, how would you how would you characterize your relationship with Tom right now, and have you had any contact with him since he left? Yeah, I think it's good. It's always been good. Yeah, it's good. It's always been good. Sure, it's always been good. Maybe from his perspective, it's always been good. From Tom's perspective, and we've been down that road a few times. Whether it's the comments from Tom Brady Sr., which Tom Brady Jr was very upset about, and Tom Curran told us on PFTPM yesterday he heard from young Tom. He heard directly from young Tom that he was not happy with the comments that Tom Curran harvested from Tom Brady Sr. But whether it's Tom Brady Sr., whether it's Alex Guerrero, we've talked about this. That's how we get to the truth that Tom Brady's never going to tell us about that relationship. So Belichick can say it's always been good. What else is he going to say? We know that that maybe there's more to that story that that may not may not ever emerge or may not come unless and until we get the the memoirs of Tom Brady and or Bill Belichick. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, again, it's not supposed to be like, you know, some, you know, beautiful sitcom movie love story. I mean, this is football. I don't know what like people were expecting there a little bit. And it was a great run. It was unbelievable. It ran its course. I mean, damn, most people can't stay married for five years, let alone work with somebody like for 20 years in a row in an intense, crazy, scrutinized job. They did a phenomenal job. Yeah, Brady got to a point in his career where he was just, you know, we've talked about this before. We've seen it with other great athletes. Magic Johnson was getting sick of Pat Riley. Montana was getting sick of Bill Walsh. You know, Jimmy Johnson and Troy Aikman butted heads. Kobe Bryant didn't like Phil Jackson after the first run. And then he realized, oh, damn, I'm not winning as many games. And he liked him again more when he came back again. I mean, it's, 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 it's part of it's egos. It's a pressure packed business. And, you know, yeah, it, it fell apart at the end. I think there's still great admiration and respect between the two. But, 
Um, yeah, at some point there at the end, it, it certainly started to take a little bit of a different turn because Tom was at a different point of his career and, and was probably sick of having the, the poker next to his butt all the time because he's going like, damn, haven't I proven enough that, you know, I put the poker next to my own butt all the time anyways. And, uh, yeah, you know, again, I, I don't think this is crazy in the sports world, but, of course, it's, it's, it's the biggest story in the NFL right now. Well, and I think part of it, it's really not a surprise that the Patriots, as a football team, have diminished and continue to be in a diminished capacity. We thought they'd be better. I thought they'd be better yeah. than one and two, three, three sure. games. But when you have a quarterback who is far closer to the end than the beginning— and you don't know how much longer he's going to be there. And you have a reputation, a well-earned reputation of moving on from guys a year too early instead of a year too late. I think it did make sense for Tom Brady to move on sure. if he wanted to continue his career. Ideally, he would have just retired. And I give the Patriots credit. They didn't try to nudge him in that direction. There wasn't the Jim Irsay leak to Rob Lowe. Remember that back yeah. in 2012? Yeah. That right. Rob Lowe, in his brief time as an NFL insider, reported that Peyton Manning <laughs> yeah. was about to retire. That was Jim Irsay trying to speak it into existence. He didn't want Peyton Manning playing for another team. The Packers didn't want Brett Favre playing for another team. Currently, the Packers would strongly prefer, and it would be foolish to not believe this, Aaron Rodgers to retire and not go play for another team. You don't want to be the old team that watches the old quarterback go somewhere else and win a Super Bowl. Right. You don't want that. That, that. That's what the Patriots would have liked to avoid, but they weren't going to do that. They weren't going to even try to prevent him from doing it because I think they know him well enough. The harder you try to prevent him from doing something, the more determined he is to do it. So they just kind of let nature take its course. They knew he was determined to play, and Belichick was determined to move on. Because where would they be right now? They wouldn't have won the Super Bowl last year. They wouldn't have made the playoffs last no. year if Brady had stayed. Exactly right. I think I think that's where it kind of fell apart. Brady wanted, you know, more support and things around weapons around him. I think Belichick and company, at least from the outside looking in, it looked like more like they was like, you know, hey, we can't make it all about Tom. We gotta start building this team back for the future. We can't just like, oh, we'll sign Antonio Brown or oh, we'll try to get a good receiver. You know, I think that's to me where it kind of like you know, hit hit a little bit of a, a you know a stalemate or or whatever there, whatever you want to call that. Uh, I, I think it was a little bit about that. Yeah, Brady wanted you know to go out on on good terms and hey, help me out, put some more players around me so I can still you know flourish. And I think Belichick and New England were looking at it like, hey, we kind of got to rebuild the team a little bit. We can't just make it all about you. And I think you know again we saw nobody made more moves this offseason than the New England Patriots. They made a ton of moves. And, you know, I, I really think this is something we'll continue to see in the NFL, you know, because of free agency. Great quarterbacks at the end who, you know, are going to find a team that goes, wait, uh, this team's got everything except the quarterback. All they need is just a little help at quarterback, and they can be really good, just like Peyton Manning with the Broncos or Brett Favre going to Minnesota uh, or this story right here. It's a, it's the same a similar thing, and I think we'll continue to see it as we go go on. Um, but I, that to me, I don't know, Mike, if you have a different read or not. But I, I that's the way I look at it. Brady wanted his way. Belichick and was like, damn, we can't make it all about Brady in year nineteen or twenty. We got to think about beyond Brady, and that's where it, it kind of started to fall apart. Yeah, I think it makes sense, and th there was mutuality to it. I think it would be naive to not. To not believe that. It wasn't that Belichick alone wanted Brady out. Brady wanted to go somewhere where he could stack the deck in his favor. We saw it with Brady in 2020. We see it with Matthew Stafford this year. We're going to see it with someone else next year because exactly. we've seen it right. with Brady and Stafford. This is a new dynamic for NFL quarterbacks who, who want to win. This is that, that mindset that still astounds me when you have an eight-year-old boy 
or girl for that matter. Don't have to. I mean, you know, but I, I'm I'm used to the context of my group of friends growing up where there was always somebody who had to win all the time. Got to win all the time. Got to win. Got to win. Got to win. Got to win. And that's frowned upon. You try to you try to lead somebody like, well, hey, Jimmy, you don't have to win all the time. You don't have to win all the time. Come on. Let somebody else win. Let somebody else have a turn. Yeah. Let somebody else have their moment in the sun. And then they grow up and that's the way they are. And we're like, yeah, quarterbacks all right, don't that's think that the way, way. you got to be. Yeah, right. Win right. all the time. Yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. Win all the time. That's the way. Hey, little Jimmy. Look at that. Well, don't be that way now, little Jimmy. But be that way when you're 30. I mean, it just it. It is I backwards in a lot of ways. Of you're right. It is. I can't make sense of it. But Russell Wilson, I'm telling you, Chris. Uh, I, Mike, I hear you, man. He's next. Yeah. One and two oh, and on their way to potentially one and three. He's next. So, so little Jimmy, this is how we want you to be. When you're grown up, don't be that way now because you come off as kind of an ass when you're eight and all you have to do is win, 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 win. But when you're 30, people are going to look up to you. You're going to get Subway sandwich commercial. You're going to, you know, you're, you're, <laughs> you're going to have 40 million have a year if you have this mindset by yeah. the you know what. It's, it, it's just amazing. It is it's amazing. But to, to your point, that's why Tom Brady's not there. That's why Matthew Stafford's gone from Detroit. That's why Russell Wilson's going to be gone from Seattle. Sorry to our friends in the Pacific Northwest, yeah. but it's true. That's why Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is more complicated, right? But at but the it's core, still at the core, it's same. It's it legacy. Is. Yeah, it's exactly. my legacy. Exactly. It's on me. I want to win more. And 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 yeah, hey hey, we've we've had this hypothetical before. You put Aaron Rodgers in New England. Now I don't know that he could deal with Bill Belichick. For two weeks, much less two decades. <laughs> yeah, it'd be fun but to watch. Yeah, you put him with that coaching and that talent around him, and he'd have, you know, four, five, six, two. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think so, definitely. I mean, I, I, I look at it that way. Yeah, yeah. It just again, it, it, but, but that speaks to the broader point and what you're trying to make. Yeah, it is legacy, and to me, in the last ten to fifteen years, it's become even bigger than it ever was before. Just because, again, we have this conversation a lot. It's just everything is quarterback, 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 quarterback. We won, it's because of the quarterback, 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 quarterback. We lost, it's because of the quarterback, quarterback. And it's just, you know, so that's like accentuated this, you know, this thought, I think, by franchise quarterbacks. And, you know, think about Peyton Manning in his time. I mean, he was going, um, oh, I, I'm going to go to the 49ers or the Broncos. Uh, that's the oh you mean the two most talented teams in yep. football that need yep. a quarterback and Good then Brady point. you know Brady last year or two years ago it was I'm gonna go to the 49ers or the Tampa Bay Buccaneers you know like oh okay two really talented teams that just need a little quarterback you know that, that that's really what you know Aaron Rodgers it's the same thing we hear Denver they were in the same boat you know well we're not sure about yeah. the quarterback in Denver we got everything else so I, I do. I, you know, to your point, I think we're going to continue to see this more and more because legacy, social media, everything that are surrounding these quarterbacks has become bigger than ever before. And and little J so I guess the message to little Jimmy out there: go ahead and try to win everything. Don't don't let them take away that butthole tendency that you have <laughs> at eight right. years old to win at everything you do yeah. because it will serve you well when you get older and everyone will think you're the greatest because there isn't a damn thing that you will allow yourself to lose at from your professional exploits all the way down to playing checkers with grandma or grandpa. So uh, I guess that's the backward-ass message. Let's take a break. When we return, <laughs> speaking of backward-ass, Kyle Shanahan, your buddy... I, still continues to confuse everyone, possibly including himself, as to what his plan is at quarterback. We'll break that down when PFT Live continues right after this. I mean, obviously, everything you do today is pointing toward two weeks from now and winning football games in the future. Is that something that you, you want to put in the back of teams' minds that this is an option, this is something you guys can do? Um, yeah, I mean, it is an option. So whether it's in their mind or not, um, I mean, that's, that's up to them. But I mean, we got two guys who can play. And um, well, we've been doing it in practice a little bit, wanted to do it out there in the game. And I think it's always going to be an option. You know, Chris, I remember when Jimmy Garoppolo 
told reporters about a visit by Drew Brees to practice, and the question was set up in a different way than Jimmy Garoppolo answered it. He answered it along the lines of advice he got from Drew Brees on how to deal with shuttling on and off the field for another quarterback and how Jimmy G was going to deal with that. And through that, I interpreted that Jimmy Garoppolo's kind of given up the the goat here on what they're planning to do. They're going to have a Drew Brees, Taysom Hill arrangement, maybe with even more Trey Lance than we saw of Taysom Hill during the past few years in New Orleans. And I know that when I wrote that and tweeted it, I got pushback from some of the 49ers media saying, oh, Kyle's been saying that for weeks. That's not news. That's not news. Kyle's been saying that for weeks. Okay, fine. Um, Frankly, my reaction was Kyle's been all over the place. And now it's clear he is all over the place because he's asked about it yesterday. And here, let's let's have a listen because we were led to believe and let's say that Kyle was consistent throughout training camp in the preseason about using two quarterbacks regularly and that that meshes with everything Jimmy Garoppolo said that made us say, holy crap, they really are going to do this full-blown two-quarterback thing. Here we are three weeks in. They're not. Here's Kyle from yesterday talking about it. As Trey's our backup quarterback, I mean, this isn't the preseason. We're not just going back and forth all the time. I mean, Trey goes in for specific plays or things we want to do. Trey's week in and week out. He's, I mean, he gets better each week the more reps he gets on scout team and stuff like that. But um, there's not a big decision going into that each week. If we put in a game plan for our starting quarterback, um, the backup needs to be able to do all of that if he gets hurt. And what's cool about Trey is because of his different skill set, we always keep him alive with a couple plays on situations. During training camp, you talked about using the two-quarterback system, and you said that Trey Lance was too good to keep off the field. But through the first three games, it really hasn't played out that way. So why would you change your mind on that? I didn't change my mind. We have put him on the field. We do it in situations. You can go with whatever you want when I say in training camp, and you can expand on that or not. But, um, you know, I, I think I was asked coming off the field of our third game if we'd see this in the regular season. I said probably not. So you know, I think a lot of words have been put in my mouth with some of that stuff are exaggerated uh, pretty big. Um, so I pretty much keep it pretty real to everyone, but I don't just tell everyone the answer. I have no problem with you guys overdoing that and Detroit working on that extremely hard. Um, but I've been pretty consistent with what I've said. It was preseason. It was fun to do, but it has to do with the team we're playing the next week. It doesn't have to do with the reactions. It has to do with how people prepare for people. Chris, you know this guy far better than I ever will. Can you help us make sense of what he just said, what we just heard? He keeps it real with everyone, but he's not telling anyone exactly what the hell he's doing. I don't even know that he knows what he's doing. Well, he does know frankly. what he's doing. On this listen, issue. On this issue. Yeah, I, on I, this listen, issue. I, I understand the questions. I do. I do. And listen, I, again, I'm, I'm going to make this clear. I have not talked to Kyle Shanahan like other than hey, and I haven't even talked to him other than text and hello, like since training camp started. So I just want everybody to know that I have no inside information. I'm not a mouthpiece here. He calls me Johnny Media. He doesn't want me to. He doesn't want to talk to me about these things. All right. So everybody's got to realize that because you know, I get too many people who think I'm speaking for Kyle or anything like that. I just want to make that clear. All right. You know, I think first off, yeah, was there some gamesmanship going on? Certainly. You know, uh, yeah. I mean, yeah, okay. He definitely was letting, you know, letting people maybe think there was going to be a little bit more Trey Lance than what we've seen. I think for the for the reasons he just tried to explain right there. He wants teams to prepare for it. You know, has there been a package, you know, for Trey Lance in every game? I'm sure there has been. Yeah, we haven't seen maybe the full package, but we've seen in the first game, we saw a few plays, and last week we, of course, saw the touchdown, right? But I, I will say this, too. I think I think I do think we're part of the, this little issue, uh, it, me as well. I mean, I'm not trying to – a lot of people thought, like, hey, we're going to see a package of plays every game, hands down, and we kind of put those words, I think, into Shanahan's mouth, or we just thought it would happen for sure because it was Trey Lance. They traded three first-round picks. He was the number three pick of the draft. We know they're not that happy with Jimmy Garoppolo. So I do think that a little bit of that has been just insinuated by the media, and we've kind of gone with that, and I'm included in that. I thought we would see more, 100%. You know, but – but, uh, you know, I, I, I take him at his word for everything else there. You know, I don't know if it's necessarily been all over the place with this subject. 
you know, I, I, I can agree with you maybe in some of the draft process stuff here, but, you know, again, here, I, I do think all of us just thought there was going to be something more to it. He kind of just let it fester and go, and, you know, it became a thing. And, and, and now that he hasn't played, everyone's like, well, wait, you kind of said this, and I think he's trying to say, no, I, I really didn't. I didn't quite say it to the point to where everybody's kind of emphasizing it. You kind of guys just said it, and I just kind of let it go and 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 played off of that. At least that's my See, take. I disagree. Okay. I disagree. I continue to believe that he had every intention of going two quarterback until the moment that Trey Lance showed him he was ready to take the reins, and that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't like it. Jimmy Garoppolo's got the locker room on his side. Trey Lance hasn't been good enough to win over the locker room. And they decided, they being Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, Adam Peters, whoever else in the organization, they made the conscious decision, you know what? We're better off just riding Jimmy. Our big concern about Jimmy is he sure. can't stay healthy. So this is simple. We'll go all in with Jimmy. We'll use Trey surgically like they did with that that. Touchdown run. Touchdown with two seconds left when Trent Williams put Eric Stokes into the 10th row of uh, the – here it is. I just – I don't know. I mean, the run's not all that impressive, although it's high-stakes poker. you got to get to the end zone, but it's easier to get to the end zone when Trey Williams is – or Trent Williams is forcing Eric Stokes to do a backward somersault. But um, not nearly to the extent we thought he was going to be used. I think that the strategy now is Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy – Trey's the backup, as Kyle said yesterday, and um, that's the way it stays until Jimmy G gets injured or plays so poorly sure. that that the locker room can't pivots. deny it anymore a little bit. Yeah, because because Chris, Chris, if what Kyle said yesterday is true, okay, why did he say what he said yesterday? What, what, you know, unless this is some next level Jedi mind trick stuff where now he's trying to lay the foundation for more Trey Lance and he's just going to bounce all over the place because this is all about keeping the opponent guessing. There's no reason to say what he said yesterday because what he said yesterday puts it all to bed and it is Jimmy G all the time. So unless he's going to, gonna you know, spin it around and we're going to see a bunch of Trey Lance this weekend against the Seahawks, uh, there's no reason for him to come out and say why there's a perception of inconsistency, if that makes any sense. It, it does make sense. He's, listen, he's better off letting the uncertainty linger. Well, we we have a. We, I mean, listen, we we both don't know here. I, you say a lot of things there that certainly. Listen, I I, I that makes sense a hundred percent. I don't know here either. I think more yesterday when he's putting to putting to bed is not necessarily that, and that they're not going to use Trey Lance here and there in a certain, some situations. More that people are like, you know, is is this they're going to start splitting more and more time as we go forward here because you lost the game and the offense wasn't as good. And I think that's what he's trying to say. Like, no, this isn't like I'm going every week into this going like, man, should should I play J Trey Lance or do something like that more this week? I think he's trying to just put it to bed that, no, Jimmy's the starter, and they'll have a few wrinkles with Trey Lance. And one other thing, just to add to this, because I know you want to say something, it's just I don't disagree with you a little bit in the preseason. I, maybe there was a thought of like more of a Taysom Hill attack. I go back to what we saw on film, which is a guy that was really raw, and I think he probably realized, wait, Unlike Taysom Hill, who, yeah, the Saints could run the ball with and then also throw the ball with a handful of times and they could trust him, I think there he was a little bit like, whoa, I don't know if I can trust this guy yet. He's young, he's a rookie, and I don't know if we can go there yet. So I'll maybe condense that small package as we go on through the season and just have a few plays for him here and there. Uh, that, that would be my take, Mike. So go ahead. What do you, what do you want to say? Well, I, I've said many times in the past that I think Kyle Shanahan could become the next Bill Belichick. The longevity, the experience, the smarts, the offensive firepower that he has, the way he can draw up the game plans and take advantage of the defensive weaknesses, etc. But, but, and, and this kind of gets back to what we discussed yesterday with Mike McCarthy, that it's incumbent on a coach to sell himself to the media and the fans. I think that Kyle needs to spend time this offseason coming up studying Bill Belichick at press conferences because the best way around all of this 
And the best way to avoid the impression that he doesn't know what the hell he's doing when it comes to his quarterbacks, because that's the impression that some could come away with, is to just say, I'm going to do whatever's in the best interest of the team. What are you going to do about quarterback? Whatever's in, you know, we're going to do whatever it takes to win. That's our goal. We're just trying to win. And, and, and I know that at some level, a coach feels compelled to give more. You don't have to give more than that. And unless this is a deliberate attempt to keep everyone guessing all the time and to keep the upcoming opponents on their toes constantly and uncertain about what they're going to see, it really has created the impression that he doesn't know. He's all over the place. He's impulsive. His plans are changing. The plan is there is no plan. And maybe it would be in his best interest to just revert to the classic Bill Belichick answers like, hey, I appreciate your question. But we're going to make whatever decisions we have to make about personnel based upon what's in the best interest of the team at that given time. And it's not in my interest to share those specifics with you. Now, Belichick isn't even that polite about it. He just grumbles and says, we're going to do what's best for the team. But if Kyle wants to be more accommodating, he could add some other words and and basically give a Belichickian answer. Sure. But, But maybe he'd be better off in that neighborhood than in the neighborhood of creating this impression that either he has no plan or he doesn't know what the plan is or he's constantly changing his plan because his plan isn't working. I, 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 I will say this just, yeah, he's my friend. I know him. He's a really smart guy. He almost always has a plan from anything I've ever seen. So that's where I will stick up for him. You know, did he maybe have a plan and, you know, sketched it on a little, you know, napkin or paper going into training camp to how it might play out? But then you reevaluate. Oh, wait, it's not playing out quite the way I thought. So then it changes a little bit there, too. And again, still, he's a young coach. He'll learn how to talk to maybe the media better and everything and everything that way. I mean, yes, Um, but but I do think. The media and me included, I'm putting this kind of put the you know cart in front of the horse a little bit with that whole conversation too, and I think he kind of just let it fester and go, and I think you know maybe we've misled all of our uh, all of ourselves well, here in this conversation. Well, well, well yeah. two things, yeah. two things, two things. He's got to quit playing mad scientist with hey, let's see how the media runs with this false narrative like he did with Mac Jones, because. Because the cart does get before you're the horse. right. I hear the you. The horse does get out of the barn, and then it takes too much work to undo the damage. Secondly, I'm going to go back to where we started. When Jimmy Garoppolo pivots into the conversation he had with Drew Brees about how you deal with this coming off the field for the other quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo, whose head is at least partially crafted out of meat. We've established that over the years. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to be part of this broader plan to sell us all on some confusion. He believed, or he doesn't have that conversation with Drew Brees. I, I get you he's there. Be I get you there. On and off the field. I get right? you there. So if Kyle fooled everyone else, you know who else he fooled? He fooled his starting quarterback, too. Well, maybe. And again, maybe that's where the assessing of the plan came as he went forward and started to realize, wait, Trey Lance quite isn't ready. And wait, this is affecting my locker room and my quarterback a little bit. And maybe that's where it got backed off. And, you know, again, maybe we wouldn't be here in that conversation, too, if Jimmy doesn't have that conversation with Drew Brees and share it with the world. I'm sure he wasn't like I'm sure Shanahan wasn't thrilled that Jimmy G shared that with everybody because he was probably like, wait, yeah, this is kind of my plan, but it's not in stone. I'm still evaluating the situation and trying to, you know, figure it out as we go forward. So we'll see where it goes. I think it's going to be about what we saw. There's going to be a handful of plays every week for Trey Lance, and if Shanahan finds the moment that he thinks it's going to schematically screw over the other team, you'll see him in there. That's far different, though, yeah. than the regular and repeated use of Trey Lance, the way that Sean Payton used Taysom Hill regularly and repeatedly with Drew Brees. And, and and I just, look, I'm a firm believer in Occam's razor that the simplest explanation is usually the most accurate. I think that they fully intended to go with a two-quarterback system, and Jimmy Garoppolo didn't like it. The locker room is behind him. Trey Lance isn't good enough yet to win over the locker room, so they just decided, hey, the, our main concern about Jimmy G's is ability to stay healthy. So now we don't have Nick Mullins. We don't have C.J. Beathard. We've got Trey Lance. Let's just go let Jimmy... Let, let Jimmy go until the wheels come off. And if they do, 
that's when Trey Lance has his opportunity to win over the locker room. I think that's the truth. I, I, I Mike, I, I'm not going to disagree with you. I mean, I, I hear you there. I, I think there's a lot of logic there that makes sense. I think you add in some of the other things we've said, and and maybe that's where it's gotten to. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to totally disagree with you. We talked earlier about Matthew Stafford making his escape after 12 years in football purgatory. He's now with the L.A. Rams, and the Rams are three and zero. The Cardinals are three and zero. One of the sneaky great games of the weekend yeah. to play out at SoFi Stadium. Here's Cliff Kingsbury, Cardinals coach, talking about the quarterback that his team is going to be facing on Sunday. Matt just has incredible arm talent. Some of the throws he's able to make and cut loose, like a mortal man wouldn't even attempt. You know, but he can he can do it. Um, he's always had that gunslinger mentality where he's going to take his shots and push the ball downfield, and he can really drive the football. So. It's impressive to watch it. You know, it's kind of the perfect storm when you get a play caller like McVeigh and a guy like that who's played at such a high level for so long. He's tough. He's a great leader. So they really got it going. I mean, Matthew Stafford's arm talent, you know, being from Texas, I watched him when he was in high school. It's legendary. I mean, he's a freak show um, in that position, and, and his skill set's really getting a chance to show in Sean's offense. Yeah, it really has been something. And I said before the season, I need to see it to believe it. I believe it. This team is going to be wire to wire great as long as yeah. key players stay right. healthy. Right. That's our concern. Too many eggs in the front end of the basket. Yep. Where's the depth? Where's the help? Where's the understudies who can step in if you lose any key players? And I don't want to put the jinx on anyone by naming names. We don't have to. We know who the key players are. That's right. That if the Rams would lose them, it would be like, uh-oh, how are we going to hold this together? Yeah, 100%. That's the only worry you got about the football team because, you're. I mean, we've seen the cohesion between McVay and Stafford quicker than we saw, you know, between Brady and Arians and Leftwich last year, right? I mean, that's, I think, the most shocking thing. It's just like, damn, they kind of hit the ground running. I mean, I'm I'm loving it. I'm really am loving it. You know, I I almost feel like a proud papa in this one. You know, again, it is a freak show. You know, Mike, you you've known me long enough to know I I've, I've been talking about this guy pretty highly for the last three or four years. I get more criticism every year when I do my quarterback rankings and I make Matthew Stafford in the top ten, and people go, "Stims, you're such an idiot! Oh my gosh, the Lions—they can't win a game, or Stafford can't be any good." Well, you know, you're gonna, everyone's gonna see as we continue to go here. Again, it's a team sport, and now he's got a little support, and like Cliff Kingsbury has said, you know, now he's got the support to kind of show his skill set. And that's where he's special. It is one of the greatest arms in the history of football. It is in the class of the Rodgers and the Marinos and the Favres and, you know, Mahomes. It is that kind of arm. Matthew Stafford's been making no-look passes for the last four years. Nobody gives a damn because it's the Lions. He does all this kind of crap. He's a special player. So I'm glad people are seeing it. And, yeah, this is going to be a fun game. You're right. It's under the radar really really awesome a lot of stars and high-end players going to be flying around the field what amazes me about Matthew Stafford more than anything else is he actually tolerated a dozen years with the Detroit right Lions because if it's, it's Peyton Manning yeah or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson they are getting the hell out of that organization a lot sooner than they did because Matthew Stafford had a front row seat for plenty of of dysfunction in Detroit, and he just kept his mouth shut and went about his job. And I had criticism of him from time to time because I thought he didn't want to be the leader that he could have been because a Peyton Manning is going to do everything in his power to make it better in Detroit. And if he can't, that's when he says, I'm out of here. Yeah. And I don't, I never got the sense that Matthew Stafford was willing to do whatever it took to make it better. He was just, hey, I just work here. Right. He'd be the perfect Green Bay Packers quarterback because that's the attitude they had toward Aaron Rodgers. You right. just work here. Right. Fine, I just work here. Yeah. But after 12 years, he gets his chance to move on, and we see that, that uh, yeah, it, it, it maybe was the Lions and not Matthew Stafford. Definitely. And the Lions have Jared Goff. And, of course, all this praise – for Matthew Stafford should not be regarded by anyone in the in the Rams organization as a direct or indirect indictment of the former quarterback. We saw Sean McVay get not too happy with that. Yeah, and, uh, but people made that obvious conclusion that his glee, his unmitigated glee over having Matthew Stafford, don't put words in my mouth that it means I wasn't happy with my other quarterback, even though I wasn't.
Well, I know, I know. Of course, there's glee. He respects Jared Goff, and he doesn't want to put anybody down. But I mean, come on, you know. I mean, yeah, it's it's this is you're going from a guy who's you know below average to a guy that's got superstar talent. How could you not have some glee? And that's the problem with Stafford. A lot, like a lot of other great athletes we've seen here in the last fifteen, it's like a gift and a curse. They're too good that they make teams that. I mean, Matthew Stafford was on some teams in Detroit that were that should have been two and fourteen and one and fifteen. Instead, they were six and ten or seven and nine because of Matthew Stafford. And then we keep the coaching staff a little. Let's keep the coaching staff one more year. No, they're not good. They're not good. It's all Matt Stafford. He should be getting all your paychecks, so like a little percentage of it. All I mean, it's like it's like LeBron James early in his career with the Cleveland Cavaliers. People are like, oh, he lost all these NBA finals, and you want to go. Nobody in the history of the NBA could have brought these teams to the NBA finals. But now we're going to hold it against him that he lost to teams that were way better. And that's where you know I, I will always stick up for him. But I, I do think it's it is a little gift in the curse because he's so talented. He fooled people at times to make the you think the team was a hair better than what it really was. Yep, and uh, the the Rams more than a hair better than they were last year, directly because of the upgrade. The Rams won't say it, we will. The upgrade, the major upgrade major. from major. Jared Goff to Matthew Stafford. Let's take a break. When we return, we'll look ahead to Sunday's game with a a round of what's more likely. We'll do that next here on PFT Live. What's more likely? Hello. It's me. I was wondering if after all these years you'd like to meet. So hello Man, that's great. My Man, God, is that I'm awesome. I'm ready to play. I'm ready to play. Awesome? Let's go. Somebody sign uh, me up. <laughs> the moment when the jersey changes, that same angle behind him, that that Pretty gives cool. me chills. Yeah. Every it time does. I see it gives it. you the chills. It does. That's exactly right. It is. I can't yeah. wait to watch it. It's, I mean, it's special. You know there was a connection there. It was a special connection, no matter what anyone says or how it ended off. And well done by NBC getting the Adele song there. They probably only paid now, $70 million for that. <laughs> think about the effect that has on us. Think about Tom Brady's reaction the first time he saw that. Think about it. Because I still, I still believe, even if he's Terminator, part cyborg, part human, there's still human in there somewhere. Definitely is. There's human DNA in that person somewhere. How are you not affected? How are you not moved? How are you not emotionally reactive to the situation it's impossible Chris. yeah i, I hear impossible. that i know it is this is impossible and, and i can tell you he's he's a human being he is he's a great guy in in a, in a lot of ways i mean in all ways he really is I, mike i I've, I've said this i think to you before he used to kind of hang out i know some of his friends he used to hang out with some of my jersey friends that i used to know who were a little older than me and for some reason, they were a part of his clique. And so, I mean, I, I've, know, I've known stories throughout the years. I mean, Tom Brady, is he's a really good dude. Yeah, he's had a few little egotistical flaws here and there. But that's, again, you know, when, when you're, like, who, basically God, he was, he was you're going to have some issues. Jimmy who had to win in everything he did. Right. That's, and then, and then you're, the, the you're right. And then you become God and a superstar. Like, life can become distorted a little bit. So, yes, it's uh, – but yeah. there's a lot of good in Brady, no doubt about it. Little Jimmy who had to win at everything he did and who did win at everything he did and who just kept going and morphed into 44-year-old Tommy who wins at everything he does and has to win at everything he does. But still, man, wow. All right, we got to get to the What's more likely? The segment. What's more likely? What's more likely? The Buccaneers blow out the Patriots or the game comes down to the wire. By the way, James White, Patriots running back out for the season, most likely with a hip injury suffered in week three. So what's more likely, Chris? Gosh. I, I, I'm going to say the blowout. I mean, I really could see either one where like New England somehow Belichick has this crazy game plan and hangs around. But I think if you're going to make me pick between either one of those and what are we, what are we saying? Blowout 10 more, 14 or more. 
You know, I mean, yeah, I guess that's the one. Two I'm scores pick. or more. Yeah, two I'm scores say, or more. I'm going to say the blowout then. Yeah, I agree with you, but yeah, but and and Tom Kern was intrigued by my theory that the Patriots need to go over the top, roll out the red carpet, another red carpet on top of it, highlight video, tribute video, emotion, emotion, emotion. Yeah, right. Try to draw it out of Tom Brady. Like the Adele they, song, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Because they understand that. When he gets emotional, that makes him a little bit wobbly. And also, also, whether it's that or whether it's that factor, and Coach Dungy mentioned this over the weekend, that when he went back to Tampa Bay in 2003, the guys on the Colts team wanted so badly to win that game for him. How badly do these other Buccaneers players want to win for Tom Brady? And none of them wants to be the one who's responsible That's for it. That's right. Are they going to be a little tight? Is this going right. to be almost like Super Bowl jitters? that the Patriots can take advantage of in some way. And and maybe that's how Belichick needs to think of this game. It, it's almost Super Bowl nerves for the other team. Not for your team. Most of your guys, you know, it's I don't know. Maybe there is there their side, though. I don't know. That's where I don't know either. Do you think? I, I, I mean, a little because it's just like they're not all Patriots yet. You know, it's just so many new guys and – I don't. I don't know. I could see the Patriots also being like, man, we know this is big for Bill. You know, maybe there is a little bit more tension and attention to detail this week. I have a hard time believing that. I, I don't know, but I, I, there's definitely going to be a tension in a in a regular season atmosphere that you rarely see in the NFL. That's for sure. But I, I don't know what team buckles under that kind of pressure. I'm not sure. My question is whether and to what extent Bill Belichick can sell to his players that he is not affected by this. Yeah, right. Can he pull that off? This right. is just another week. I don't want to hear any of this crap. I don't care who's coming in. They're all nameless and faceless to us. He and, can do it. You know, in a weird sort of way, I watched not long ago the Juju Smith-Schuster explanation about the Browns when he said the Browns is the Browns. Really, the point that he was making is it doesn't matter who's in that uniform. It doesn't matter who's playing for that team. It's still the team that we're facing. And that's the attitude that Bill Belichick has to have with his – can he convince his players of that? And I, I think that that goes a long way toward toward keeping the Patriots from becoming emotional and doing anything other than their job. Do your job. Do your expletive-deleted job. The Patriots still follow that mantra. All right, another great game this weekend. Um, Carolina Panthers. Yeah, at the Dallas Cowboys. Booyah! Let Let's uh, since we're over. Well, let's go ahead and hear from Matt Rule uh, on on the the offense that his very good defense is going to be trying to slow down in Dallas. Well, I think they have the ability to run the football and throw it. Um, they'll matriculate the ball down the field, or they'll be explosive. But I think when you just put the, pull the whole thing back. It all goes back to it's like watching Peyton Manning. It's like watching Drew Brees, you know, call the game at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think I think what Dak's doing right now is uh, unbelievably impressive. Yes, it is. And we need to appreciate the fact that and, and, and it's understandable. Like we're so worried about his ankle, justifiably so. We're worried about the shoulder injury that was basically a back injury, justifiably so. And then he shows up and he blows the doors off. And we worried about him after week one with 58 passes, not sustainable. Well, yeah. wisely the Cowboys pivoted to more balance and Dex I, I hate to say he's top three right now because if we go around and go quarterback by quarterback and say top three there'll be 10 in the top three but he's clearly among the Elite. best of the best right now. a hundred percent yeah whatever you want to say right he's he's top five top six top seven I mean you could probably ask the 10 best coaches in football and they'd have them all over the lot there but in that range I think to your point I'm with you. Carolina's the real deal. There's no doubt about that. You know, you see the talent on the field. Sam Darnold's still in the process of kind of getting like more and more comfortable. Hey, and I thought really one of the under radar, and this is why I like Carolina. And one of the under the radar great moves earlier this week is them trading for C.J. Henderson. They lose J.C. Horn with a broken foot last week, and they trade and get a top ten corner from the Jaguars from a guy, a guy who's got a ton of talent and seemed to have been in the doghouse with Urban Meyer and company. And I, I thought that was a great move too. So I don't know if you can really stop the Cowboys' offense, like stop them, but um, 
you know, do, what are we asking here? I don't even know what I'm going with. I'm just, yeah, I'm just. What's saying more it's likely? Great, okay, it's a great game. Here we I go. Here that. it is. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who's more likely to suffer their first loss? The three and O Panthers at the two and one Cowboys, or the three and O Broncos hosting the two and one Ravens? Ooh. Who's more likely to suffer their first loss? Ooh. Man, that I'm, I'm. The Broncos are actually slight favorites over the Ravens, which surprised me. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I hear you. It's surprising, but the Ravens, it's every game has been by a, you know, a shoestring there. I guess if I'm going to pick one there, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the Panthers. I am. I'm going to go with the Panthers. You know, I think Dallas has got it going on the offensive side of the ball, like you explained. Their defense is good enough. The only thing that. The Panthers and Troy Aikman tried to say this last week in the Thursday night game. Sam Darnold's just gotta he gotta settle in a little bit and trust his team and trust the offense. There's plays when you look at film of Sam Darnold where you go, Man, the first read was open. I don't know if you're looking at the pass rush or you just don't want to pull the trigger or you still got stage fright because you're thinking with the Jets. But that's what he's got to get a little bit better as uh, as we go forward because there are some plays uh, that I, I certainly have seen where I go, man, what? And, and Troy tried to show that early in the game and explain that to go like, look, there's a guy open here. I'm not sure what he's looking at or why he didn't pull the trigger. Uh, but either way, things are going in the right direction for the Carolina Panthers for sure. That's going to be a real good game, no doubt. What are you going to go with? Well, and he's got to, he's got to do it without Christian McCaffrey on Sunday either. He's got that hamstring strain. I agree with you. It's more likely that the Panthers suffer their first loss. I don't want to tip my hand too much on our Mega Picks podcast that we'll be taping later today. But I think we both are leaning Cowboys and Ravens to win those two games. I know I am. And uh, that would mean that the Panthers are more I'll likely never to get tell. their first loss. <laughs> actually, actually, I'm no, I'm I'm going. I'm Bronco. I'm leaning Broncos to lose too. So I don't know. We'll find out when we do our picks podcast. Yeah. But I feel I feel more confident about the Cowboys beating the Panthers than I do about the Ravens beating the Broncos. Last one, real quickly. Which New York team is more likely to get its first win? They are combined zero and six. The Jets and the Giants. The Giants travel to New Orleans where the Saints are back in the Superdome with fans for the first time since 2019 with fans present. The Jets host the Tennessee Titans. Which one's more likely to get to one and three? I, I think it's the, the G-Man. That, that to me is an easier one here. First off, the Jets are just not ready for prime time. They got a few too many issues on their roster. The Giants could very easily be two and one. I mean, very easily. There's no doubt about that. I actually think they match up quite well with the Saints. I mean, we see right now the Saints want to run the ball and play defense. You know, the Giants are good at stopping the run, and they are not going to be like the most explosive offense in the world. I I mean, I wouldn't be – this to me is a game where you could could, could put a maybe upset alert a little bit. Uh, I do think there's a good matchup here. I would think the Giants keep it close even if they lose, but that's, that's who I'm going to go with out of the two. Wow, tipping your hand on the Megapix podcast. I I was going to say the Jets just because the circumstances back in the Superdome, the boost they're going to get. I hear you there too, right? Alvin Alvin Kamara made it clear to me after the win over the Patriots. They're not satisfied. They didn't think they played well enough. He didn't think they played well enough against the Patriots. He's salty about the week two loss to the Panthers. This is a team that is driven and determined. And you know, with the Saints, it's there's usually some sputter in September. And then they find that gas pedal and they mash it. So I think they're both going to lose. Yeah, I mean, uh, probably, yes. It's just amazing to think that that neither team in New York has won a game yet. And somebody pointed that out on Twitter and the Bills. The Bills chimed in and said, hey, how about us? Yeah, how about us? That's right. They're the only team that actually plays in New (laughs) York. They're only a five-hour ride from the rest of the team and driving the car. I, I know. It is. So at least we got the Yankees here in New York. We're hoping they can make the playoffs. But... Yeah, football season not looking real good. You know, it's funny. I was on KJR yesterday, and they said how close the Mariners are to clinching their first playoff berth in 20 years, and I have no idea who's in, who's close to being in. I mean, I shut it down 1992 when Sid Bream somehow scored from second on a routine single by Francisco Cabrera, and Barry Bonds couldn't throw him out at home. And I knew at that moment the Pirates were going to stink for a very long time. I had no idea it would be 30 (laughs) years, but I'm glad I checked out of the Hotel Pittsburgh Pirates when I did. Let's take a break. People looking to check out of the Hotel Chicago Bears. What the hell are they up to? We'll try to make sense of it next here on PFT Live.